and I'm balling, up, up, and I'm balling, and I'm balling, and I'm balling. As always, we are balling here on the Wallace and Ware HBCU Football Podcast uh, for today, Tuesday. And I tell you what, we got a whole lot to get to. I'm one of your hosts, Donald Ware, host of the National Sports Talk Show from the Press Box to Press Row. Got my co-host on the line, Michael Wallace. What's going on, Mike? Hey, man, I'm loving it. Loving life, uh, you know, ready for the... uh Hey, it, it all comes down to this, is what I like to say about this time of the year. We, we already passed the conference championship season, and now we're into the uh, to the thick of it, the uh, national title race uh, in college football. You know, you're about to turn into the uh, the stretch run towards the all-star break in basketball. And uh, there's a lot going on, man. I'm excited about doing this show again. So we've been doing it all season long, and I, w- I, I, I won't uh, hesitate at all again to thank each and every one of you guys who faithfully listen to the Wallace Aware podcast every week. Um, this is something that we've always wanted to do over the years uh, since Donald and I have known each other going back 20-some-odd years, and we finally had a chance to make it and take it into fruition this season. And, uh, again, uh, we just try to bring you guys the type of stories and the insight that, that are sort of off the beaten path, man. And it's not two brothers that are more invested in, you know, the research and, and the access than, than we are when it comes to some of the stories that we think are important. And uh, just thank you guys all the way along the way, uh, especially as we get into this holiday season, uh, for supporting the Wallace and Ware podcast and Grind City Media and from the press box to brush row. It's all one big family, man, and I'm just happy to be a part of it. Yeah, man, it it, it, it is really, really a lot of fun. And, man, I mean, we got so many things to get to. And, of course, um, man, we're, we're going to see each other in the um, – or be together, uh, I should say, in Atlanta at the Celebration Bowl in a couple of weeks so we can talk SWAC Championship where Grambling defeats Alcorn State 40-32. to We got uh, college football playoff uh, final rankings to talk. We got Grizzlies and Cavs to talk. Uh, where do you want to start? I mean, we got so much stuff as we do every week. Where do you want to start, Mike? Well, I want to start by inviting our listeners and our followers you know, to the next Grizzlies home game, first and foremost, man. So don't miss the next Grizzlies home game Friday, December 8th at 7 p.m. when the Grizzlies tip off against the Toronto Raptors to purchase your tickets. So for more information, log on to grizzlies.com or 901-888-HOOP today. And the very next day, Friday is the Raptors. Saturday is Oklahoma City, Russell Westbrook, Paul George, and Carmelo Anthony coming to FedEx Forum. So, again, check out one of those games or check out both of them. Make it a weekend in uh, – in Grind City, man, Bill Street is right there waiting for you. FedEx Forum, beautiful hotels, restaurants, scenery. Come hang out with me at FedEx Forum again. So check out those two games back-to-back, Friday and Saturday. Friday, Toronto Raptors. Saturday, Oklahoma City Thunder. Again, grizzlies.com or call 901-888-HOOP today. So we'll start there. Yeah. And then we got to go back and look at, uh, you know, first and foremost, the the, uh, the battle is set. We're going to get a number one and number two. I know the college football you know, the FBS level still have to play some games out to get to the final two teams standing. The HBCU format does not have to wait at all. We get number one versus number two. We've been waiting on that matchup all season long, B. Yeah, no, no, we haven't. And, and you know, this is going to be the third year that we get that number one, uh, third year in a row with the Celebration Bowl that we get that number one versus uh, number two. And and I tell you, man, I mean, you know, having watched that SWAC championship game, Grambling, and, and, and they had to hold on. And, and once we get to the coolest things we saw, that's going to be part of, one of, uh, part of my coolest things we saw. But we saw where Grambling had to kind of hold on. I think they sort of thought they had this thing won, and Alcorn State said, no, we're going to play. We're trying to win this thing as well. But with that, it's going to be a great game. 
uh, on Saturday, December the 16th in Atlanta. Um, wow. I mean, I, 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 you know, I can't wait for this game. Um, I think you got – and the one thing about it, man, what you always like in college football as a whole, and, of course, we're talking HBCUs and FCS, but you like to have star players. And, I mean, you, you don't get much better or bigger than on the Grambling side with Devontae Kincaid uh, and, of course, Martez Carter at running back. And then on the A&T side, you know, uh, 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 obviously uh, Lamar Raynard uh, as the quarterback. And then I, I'm, I'm telling you guys and, and, and guys, people that haven't really maybe watched A&T or watched the MEAC, Elijah Bell, the wide receiver of North Carolina A&T, big time uh, college football player. Um, you know, I mean, this kid is from West Virginia. He's absolutely phenomenal. But, you know, Mike, it's going to be a great matchup. Um, and I know we're going to talk more about that in the coming weeks. But again, that that victory by Grambling over Alcorn State, and we talked about it before. Alcorn State, um, they would have to play a really good game to win this game. But we saw last year where Alcorn State got out to the seventeen to nothing lead. Grambling had to come back. We saw it in reverse. I was watching this game, and Grambling was just dominating this football game. But something would not allow for me to turn away. And Grambling ultimately had to hold on as Alcorn State scored the last three touchdowns, couldn't get the onside kick in the end. But what a good football game. Grambling, uh, SWAC champions in the last, the very last SWAC championship game, Mike. Yeah, I mean, Alcorn State made it a one-possession game. I thought that game was over with. As a matter of fact, I was channel surfing, uh, sitting in the hotel in Cleveland on Saturday. And uh, obviously the uh, Cleveland Cavaliers uh, ran their win streak to 11 straight games, longest in the NBA. Uh, after beating the Grizzlies and extending the longest losing streak in the NBA to 11 games uh, heading into, you know, this this week here. So it's one of those situations where, you know, during the day I had a chance to channel surf, so going back and forth. But the bottom line is that I, I thought the Grambling game was over. So, you know, when they got up so early, uh, so quickly uh, in, in that game, I was like, all right, let me go ahead and hop on this team bus and get over to the arena and holler at my boys D-Wade and, and, and LeBron James and catch up with them. And then I kept following on my phone, you know, doing all the pregame stuff and, uh, you know, warm-ups. And I'm like, hold on, hold on. This is a one-possession game now with a chance for Alcorn to drive it. You know, obviously they would have to uh, score a touchdown and get the two-point conversion to send it to overtime. But, you know, I think Grambling got a little bit sloppy there. And, you know, that's the thing. I mean, this is the difference between Grambling this year versus last year. I thought last year they were just completely putting teams away. Um, you know, and, and they, you know, it wasn't this sloppiness in terms of letting teams come back. I mean, I felt like they let Southern get back into the game at the Bayou Classic, you know, the other week. And, and that's a bad habit right now. But, again, when you're a champion, you find a way to, uh, to, to have that kind of resolve. And Broderick Fobbs and Devontae Kincaid and Martez, all, all of those guys uh, have been consistent in terms of figuring it out at, when they need to figure it out. And, uh, you know, again, two-time SWAC champion. Uh, they've been to the SWAC championship game three straight seasons. Uh, you now, and we'll talk about this too. But now you're starting to see Broderick Fobbs get some of the mention uh, in, in some of the rumor mill with some of the coaches at the uh, lower level, higher level FCS and lower level FBS openings that uh, have come up around the country. So you know it's a win-win-win when it comes to that. I, I like to see our programs and HBCU programs get the kind of exposure that they need. So to go back to back to back, you know, basically three straight weeks on some level of national television coverage. Uh, is absolutely phenomenal for the Grammar State University Tigers. One thing I want to ask you, and you're right. You, well, I tell you, you're wrong. You're wrong, Dion. One thing you say we'll have the coming weeks 
uh, to break down this celebration bowl. Actually, not really, man. We got one more yeah. Wallace and Wear podcast before it's game time going into the game week. Um, but but we but we can break down a lot of the X's and O's, and there are so many different storylines heading into that game, and I look forward to talking about that. But before we shift to that, to those things as we look forward, let's look back. SWAC championship game. We know the MEAC doesn't have a championship game uh, format there. A&T won it, obviously. They're going to have a long, long break. You're talking about a month of inactivity, whereas Grambling would have played two games uh, and only basically have a bye week before going back to uh, the Celebration Bowl again. Does the layoff – well, first, two things. First, is the layoff going to impact A&T to any regard? And secondly, what are your thoughts on the SWAC ending the SWAC championship game and just going back to a basic – uh, you know, a basic format without the championship game. Is that a mistake by the SWAC? Yeah, so in, in terms of A&T um, layoff, I, I don't think so. I think, you know, the, the same. it was the same scenario two years ago when A&T had the layoff. They ultimately won that celebration bowl and was named Black College National Champs. I think uh, when you talk about coaching, I mean, that's part of coaching. So if you have a layoff, what is it that you do to make sure that your program, your team uh, is ready? And Rod Broadway is one of the, the best coaches that we have. So I, I don't really think that the um, the layoff is going to hurt uh, A&T uh, just just judging by what happened a couple of years ago with A&T uh, winning against a very good Alcorn State. And that game, of course, uh, ultimately uh, came down to the last play of the game where Alcorn State had a chance to tie that game. And a and I forget that it may have been 35-27, to 35-28, whatever the score was. Secondly, you know, with respect to the SWAC championship game, um, I mean, I, I don't – I'm not – you know, I, I'm not – I don't know. Like – it is what it is. I, I think that's the best way to put it. In other words, yes, I know it's been around since 1999, but again, it's not like we have this great tradition of something that has happened for the last 100 years or even 50 years. We're talking about something that has been around for less than 20 years. So I think the SWAC had to, it did what it thought was best. I know in years past that sponsorship money had sort of been uh, part of the part of the obstacle with respect to this SWAC championship game. Some of the challenges that the SWAC championship game has faced. It's not like the SWAC is getting uh, NRG stadium for free. They're not, you know, it's different if you, you know, if it's something like that. I mean, they still got to, with the exposure and all that, I get all of that. Um, They're getting that with respect to the championship game that they now won't get into your point with respect to the MIAC. The MIAC doesn't get by having a, a championship game, but, you know, if if the swag felt, I, I don't. You know, when they came out, Mike, with the initial statement that said, "Okay, well, we're a, we're leaving the swag championship game. We're going to put more of our focus and emphasis into the celebration bowl." I disagree with that. You know, if if you don't want the swag championship game, and it's been, you know, maybe a bit of an issue, maybe money is an issue, and so forth, then just say that. And and by the way, if you look at a lot of FCS programs and a lot of FCS conferences, there aren't championships. Game, so it's not like right, you know, right. it's not like the the you know the, the the swack is doing something that you know people are up in arms at. It's no, there's no tradition per se with this. I mean, the the best swack championship game you probably had, probably could have ever had, and could ever have from a support standpoint is Jackson State and Southern. When is the last time we saw those two teams playing in the swack championship? I think maybe maybe it was 2013. So it is what it is, Mike. 
Yeah, it, it, it is what it is. But I, I do think when you expand, and, and the SWAC is what, at 10 teams, 12 teams? 10 teams, yeah. Um, yeah, 10 teams. I think once you get to that point, it's an even split. Certainly, if you go to 12 teams, I think you need some form of championship game. Uh, to, because not every team, especially when you're going with an imbalanced schedule where not everyone plays everyone else, and you have some parity within your leagues. Um, I, I think this year was a little bit different. Obviously, the last couple of years, Grambling has been uh, the cream of the crop uh, when it comes to that. So, you know, it sort of gets to a lopsided sort of affair. And, and Alcorn State uh, was blown out the first time they played Grambling on October 21st in Grambling. And then you moved to a neutral site game. It turned out at the end to be a far closer game uh, than before. I, I just, I'm partial to having a championship game. I think it brings a level of credibility. Uh, to a certain extent, it brings a level of exposure to a certain extent. I do get it that there, you know, and I talked to Dewar Sharp uh, at the SWAC media days coming into the season, the SWAC commissioner, and, you know, that, those were his reasons. He felt like, okay, let's put more emphasis on the Celebration Bowl. I'm with you. I don't buy that one bit because it's not like whether you play a championship game or not, uh, it's going to impact the Celebration Bowl. I mean, I don't believe that you're going to have, for instance, Southern fans going to Atlanta to watch the Celebration Bowl, theoretically, to see Grambling play North Carolina A&T. So I think you're still going to get, you know, a, a base of fans from both teams, obviously, that's going to be at the Celebration Bowl. And you hope to draw up some support locally in Atlanta by getting that crowd there. But I, I don't think, you know, proactively saying let's shut down the championship format uh, because we want to focus on the Celebration Bowl. Um, if ESPN is pushing that agenda, I, I disagree with it. I call it disingenuous. Uh, if the SWAC is pushing that agenda, which they obviously are for their own reasons, I'm not necessarily buying into that. But who's to say, uh, again, when you're playing at NRG Stadium, why play in a 60-70,000 seat stadium? Why not condense it a little bit? Why not move it to Legion Field maybe in Birmingham? Or why not play it on, you know, designate a campus, uh, uh, you know, ahead of time? you know, and, and play it in a smaller environment from that perspective. Um, it doesn't have to be something that, you know, you need major headline sponsors to do in order to make it work. You should. You want that, obviously. Coca-Cola's, the Barrels, the Chick-fil-A's, you know, the people who have been affiliated with black college football throughout the, uh, throughout the years. But I do think it's one more game, especially if you're not going to go. And you talked about this, too, when we were doing the uh, show prep. If you're not going to go to the FCS playoff format and allow your teams to do that, I think you almost have to have a championship game in order to give one more chance for a team to possibly uh, get to Atlanta to the Celebration Bowl to make that next step. But, you know, okay, and, and with that, and d- d- great point. That's the point I was getting ready to bring up. I mean, you got a, a, a stadium that seats in excess of 72,000 people. You got a third of the people in that stadium. I mean, you could move. But, you know, in Birmingham, it didn't have a whole. You know, at one time, Mike, I thought Birmingham was sort of the center city, city for black college football. You had the SWAC championship game. You had the uh, MEAC SWAC challenge. And then you also had the the big rivalry um, with, with Miles. Uh, Miles had that Labor yeah. Day class. So it was at mm-hmm. one time, but right now, you know, it, it's not, not, I don't, I'm not mad that they moved it from, uh, from Birmingham, but you know, I think to a greater point now with the elimination of the SWAC championship game, it now opens up the door for the SWAC to have an FCS team, you know, in the playoffs and at large berth. I mean, I can think back, if you go back to the 2008, maybe the 2009 season, that's the I think it was 2009, the season that Prairie View a and did not win the SWAC championship. 
but they were sitting there at like 9-1 and one or something like that. They had to sit back and wait on the Bayou Classic. Then they had to wait for the Swag That was a team that should have been in the FCS playoffs. So I think now with the elimination of it, it now opens up, especially on that Eastern Division side where you have an old corn state that year in and year out can compete and does compete and will now have an opportunity to perhaps play to get an at-large berth in the FCS playoffs. But, Donald, if you do that, though, I mean, it's almost like you're serving two masters at that point. And I think what what what, what message are you largely trying to send? Are you trying to say that, okay, the best of our teams uh, won't be competing in the FCS playoffs, but the secondary teams will? No. Or, so, so, so what I'm saying is that if you're going to do that, then you're almost inviting the FCS to overlook your conference. If they know they're not getting the best, and it's not like it's, there's a long history or track record of HBCU teams getting invites from an at-large standpoint. You know what I'm saying? So if you're already saying, okay, we're going to designate our best teams from the MEAC and the SWAC to go to the Celebration Bowl, and so the FCS can take the secondary team in the, each of those conferences, you're already basically putting, a, a lack for lack of a better term, a negative mark on that team to count them out. You know what I mean? Well, so it's almost like you're diminishing, diminishing their, their resume. Uh, from that standpoint, because you know that your best is not going there. So you're putting a cap and a ceiling on the best of the best uh, by by sending them to the Celebration Bowl where there's a nice payout. And granted, I mean, Broderick Bob's told me this. Some people from the SWAC and the MEAC both have told me this. The payout that you're going to get from the Celebration Bowl, whether it's 300000 400000 somewhere in that range, uh, uh, trumps whatever you're going to make by even winning a national championship at the FCS level. However... The prestige that goes with being a national champion, I think, does carry some weight. So that, therein lies the uh, six in one hand and half a dozen in the other sort of juggling that, that you have going on there. Right, but you know what, Mike? Not necessarily. Uh-huh. And I'll say, I'll say, I'll say why. I wouldn't look at last year if you look in the MIAC. I wouldn't call A&T a secondary team. They just happened to lose to North Carolina Central, and North Carolina Central got the bid to play in the Celebration Bowl, but A&T got the at-large berth to be able to play in the FCS playoffs. So it doesn't, you know, you could still have a very good, let's just say you had a very good, because, you know, as long as Broderick Fobbs is there, you're going to have a very good Grambling team that I I mean, I don't don't know how, you know, obviously they're going to have some personnel changes and so forth, but if they win it, they go into the Celebration Bowl, you can still have a very good old corn state team that may not yeah they may be the runner up but they still may be a very good team that can compete just like ant even though it didn't work out that way ant and and, and and for many reasons i think part of it was injuries with respect to ant last year in terms of competing against richmond but you're not necessarily sending a second tier team you may be you may not be sending the champion but it doesn't mean you're sending a second tier team Right, right, and, and and to that degree, to that degree, I'm talking about historically, though, from the track record of what you see the FCS level uh, teams take. You rarely get two HBCUs in, so right. it's either one or the other uh, in, in terms of that. And again, from the scheduling format, not only has the uh, championship game uh, conflicted with it, but also the Bayou Classic too, right, uh, has conflicted with allowing the SWAC to have teams that get in uh, to that regard. So again, like until those conferences align. And you have a chance to truly be representative of what your best is. Um, uh, you know, again, and, and that's the, the problem I have is that, you know, uh, we talk about these things, unfortunately, and this is why the Celebration Bowl is going to be historic in, in terms of the way, I, the way I see it, is because you truly have two teams that can go to the FCS level 
and win a round or two in the playoffs. No question about it. I have no doubt about that. I have no doubt that they can be uh, teams that can advance uh, in the FCS level, whether it's Grambling or North Carolina A&T. But having said that, though, um, you know, it, it's one of those things where the ESPN and, and these bowls, whether it's the uh, Swag Miak Challenge coming into the season or the Celebration Bowl after it, it brackets uh, the season in a really, really uh, high-profile format on national TV uh, for these HBCU schools. And when you talk about exposure, the FCS playoffs isn't giving you that kind of exposure uh, uh, at any point. I mean, there are some games that are nationally televised, but usually typically not until you get well into the championship rounds of the FCS format. So, you know, again, it's hard for these conferences to turn away from that, the TV deal that ESPNU has provided week to week for the MEAC or the SWAC. And then on top of that, you bracket your season with a showcase game at the beginning of the season and a showcase game at the end. So I definitely understand why the influence of the Celebration Bowl and the ESPN Bowls and the structure of ESPN uh, is, is, is sort of dictating how the conferences are choosing to go forward in that format. Um, but again, hopefully our, our leagues can be deep enough where you do have a discussion like you suggested and what was showed out uh, last season. But even still, that only impacted one team, I mean one conference, because the SWAC certainly didn't send a second team uh, into the uh, into the FCS playoffs too. So it's one of those deals where, like I said, there's no right or wrong answer. It's just economics and exposure. And when it comes to economics and exposure, the SWAC and the MEAC are, are choosing the national exposure and the economics that a bowl game uh, funnels that money into the conference, into the schools that are participating. So no problem whatsoever with that. Yeah, and you know what? With that, Mike, I mean, that's a great, you know, it, it's, it, it's a good point. And, it, you know, the thing is, I think you either need to be all in or not in. In other words, if you're going to have the Celebration Bowl, and now especially with the elimination of the SWAC championship, because part of the SWAC championship game being played two weeks you know, after the start of the FCS playoffs is because of the Bayou Classic. If you're going to keep it, that's fine. But the thing should be, if you're going to do this thing, go all in. The, I know we're going to talk a little bit about the college football playoff. There needs to be an HB, a Division One HBCU playoff like the college football playoff. I mean, if we're going to do this thing and we're talking about money, and to your point, it's not going to be about the the FCS playoffs is not paying you a lot of money, then go go. let's go all in. Let's have a four, you know, you take the top four teams teams in all of HBCU football D1 that would include you know obviously I mean this would be sort of a pipe dream but man it'd be great if Tennessee State could could sort of be a part of that and maybe you could have Tennessee State as a part of this because boy they're in such a tough conference that even if they had like an 8 and 3 season they may not even be part of this they 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 may not make it to the to the again uh, an at large berth so you have the best four teams out of the division 1 HBCUs and let's do let's do a format like that it should bring in even more money than the million dollars or so that the Celebration Bowl uh, is bringing in. It, listen, it, I think if the conferences are going to do this with respect to the Celebration Bowl, and especially now with the elimination of the SWAC championship game, why not do a college football playoff of the Division One HBCUs? Mm, mm. I think we might be on to something, man. When we, get, when we get to Atlanta next week, man, we might have to put that format in front of some people there because – I, I definitely like where you're coming from from that standpoint because you would have neither uh, uh, the, the MEAC or the SWAC uh, with a conference championship at that point. So why not do a four-team playoff? You take the top two finishers in each, and then you you know you see them one through four or whatever, um, and, and then go from there. And, and you know Tennessee has the invitation if they're one of the top four finishers from a polling standpoint. 
hey, why not get from the press box to press row HBCU coaches poll as a as a factor into that sure. in terms of ranking how these teams are. Sure. Hey, there's definitely a way to do it, and there's certainly the time frame uh, in which to do it because again, you're talking about a month or at least two to three weeks at the very least between the Bayou Classic and the Celebration Bowl. So there's certainly a window there in which you can play two rounds uh, uh, to determine who's going to end up in the uh, Celebration Bowl from that standpoint. So, hey, man, I, I think we got a good uh, we got a good idea brewing there. You know what I'm saying? And speaking of good ideas, hey, you guys have all been to Memphis. So if you haven't been to Memphis, I'm sure you've found or know someone who's tasted rendezvous ribs. I get them all the time, man, as a matter of fact. One of the things I look forward to in terms of covering college football is my time going up to Liberty Bowl Stadium every other Saturday. Uh, and, and they serve, they cater, rendezvous ribs and rendezvous barbecue. I've been to the alley downtown in Memphis several times, man, throughout the time that I've been here with Grind City Media. But hey, look, you don't have to come to Memphis to experience rendezvous ribs. Rendezvous is shipping them directly to you anywhere on the planet. You can get rendezvous ribs. So enjoy rendezvous barbecue from the comfort of your couch with overnight shipping and 10% off your online order. Choose from Rendezvous' world-famous barbecue ribs, pork shoulders, or nachos. Use code GRIZZ, G-R-I-Z-Z, 17 at checkout through December 14th. So check that out. You want to get your Rendezvous ribs, go to the Rendezvous website there, and then look at look up the online orders. You get 10% off. You choose from the Royal Famous Ribs, Barbecue Pork Shoulders, or Nachos. All you have to do is just use Grizz17, Grizz, G-R-I-Z-Z, 17 at checkout through December 14th. So you still got time to get those uh, nachos, ribs, pulled pork, and your uh, holiday stocking stuffers on your platter uh, for your holiday meal. So check that out right there. You're killing me, Mike. I had green juice and water before this interview. You kill. Listen, look, look you, hey, look, listen. I come down to hey, look. I'm I'm all for it, man. That sounds great. I may have to I may have to pull them up online and get that. And and I know the ribs are the bomb. I'm not. I know it. <laughs> no question about it, man. And uh, you know you can't go wrong with barbecue pretty much anywhere you go in Memphis. Uh, but rendezvous is special, man. They've been doing it for a long time down there in the alley. Uh, right over there by off of Union and, and B.B. King. So, you know, you can smell the stack. You see the smoke billowing from that alley every, almost every day, man. And it's just it just calls you, basically. So, again, you can get that thing FedEx right to you. Yeah. I mean, two great companies in Memphis are working together to get this make this happen. Rendezvous and FedEx or whatever are, are delivering it right to your doorstep, man. So, you know, you definitely can make that happen for sure. For sure. Yeah. So let's let's you know I know last week Mike we had a chance to, to talk a lot about um, and and we talked right about it, it was sort of fluid in in a respect with respect to mm-hmm. David Fisdale and him being uh, uh, let go by the Grizzlies and you know it just hasn't bolded well for the Grizzlies it, it wasn't bolding very well for them before then it hasn't bolded well um, for them since then of course they had the meeting uh, against the Cavaliers this weekend in which the Cavs won and that, and you have you know two. Um, two teams that are going in vastly different um, directions. And, again, you mentioned being able to and – that, and that's pretty cool, man, you being able to really, um, you know, covering the, the the Grizzlies. Not really – well, you covering them, but doing what you do for the Grizzlies, which is more than just covering them. And then also to be able to get with Dwayne Wade and, and LeBron James, who you covered as well, man. Your your thoughts on the fact that both of these teams are going in in vastly opposite directions. 
Yeah, I mean, and you know what? I, I certainly have thoughts on that. But, man, I got some of my mind so caught up on these ribs, I forgot to give people the website, man. You know what I'm saying? I'm yes, sitting sir. there thinking dry rub and, and wet rub and, and, and barbecue sauce and all that, man. And I don't forgot to give them, but it's hogsfly.com, H-O-G-S-F-L-Y.com. So, again, go back, get your 10% off, order all you can, but go to hogsfly.com. And Charlie Virgos and the Rendezvous people will take care of you right there digitally online and get that food shipped right to you. Now, Dom, sorry about that. Man. It's all good, man. All good. And the barbecue sauce just ran straight through my <laughs> mind, man. But but anyway, the uh, hey, it's 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 one of those situations where you know, listen, Cleveland. Let's let's talk about Cleveland because this is a team that you know you knew it was just a matter of time before LeBron James said, "Okay, enough's enough, guys." You know, we 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 basically. You know, sort of BS and, and lollygag through the first twenty games of the season. Um, at some point, you know, we need to kick it, you know kick it into gear and prove that we can be a championship contender. Not just because of the names on the jersey, and certainly they are impressive, man. It's like everyone that they bring off their bench has either started somewhere before, has been in an All Star game, or has had a max contract. You know what I mean? So the, these guys, and they're not even healthy yet. You know, what I mean, the news came out Monday that. Uh, they're, they're going to sort of continue this process with Derrick Rose, uh, who stepped away from the team for about two weeks to really consider his future or reconsider his future uh, because he's been uh, na- uh, dealing with a nagging ankle injury uh, that has sidelined him for the last three weeks or so. And Derrick Rose basically was contemplating stepping away and retiring uh, from the game. But the Cavaliers put out a statement uh, on Monday afternoon and basically said, hey, we're going to re- you know, we're gonna relaunch his uh, rehab with the ankle and see where it goes from here. We want him back in the fold, and Derek is going to continue to try to push forward. And what you don't want is that to become a distraction. And what LeBron James has said is, look, we don't have Isaiah Thomas. We don't have Derek Rose right now. Tristan Thompson is still out uh, as he's on the way back from recovering. And Iman Shumpert just had surgery. So you got four guys that could be in that rotation, four key rotation uh, players in that situation that they're not even playing with. And they were able to take that winning streak to a dozen or so games coming into this week. And, you know, that speaks to the, the, the magic that LeBron James has. It speaks to the, uh, the way Kevin Love has embraced his role moving down to center, which was an uncomfortable position at first, but he's found a way to be uh, impactful there. It speaks to Dwayne Wade sort of finding his role as well uh, amid all the turmoil um, and, and being one of the best bench players coming off the bench. It speaks to Jeff Green uh, being steady for the first time in a long time in terms of what his diminished role is, but he's you're getting impact from Jeff Green because the expectations are so low. And now you look at Cleveland, and they're right on Boston's heels. So, you know, it sort of worked out the way that it was supposed to work out and the way that a lot of people work out, where a lot of people thought it was going to work out, where Boston and Cleveland are pretty much one-two uh, in the Eastern Conference. And I, don't, I think there might be a distant third uh, as this thing continues to play out from there. Um, having said that, to, to go to the other side with the Grizzlies, the team I'm more intimately with, obviously, being sort of embedded with them, is, listen, I mean, you know, there were some trends that, that the franchise has put out in terms of how this thing was heading uh, in, in an uncomfortable uh, direction. Um, you know, under David Fisdale, you know, they the team had, you know, had lost a lot of games at home that they shouldn't have lost, regardless of the circumstances when it comes to injuries. This team has been able to battle through injuries before. But this is a systemic issue now because it wasn't just the coach. There are layers of issues that need to be sorted out uh, with this with this franchise uh, in terms of getting it back to the level of expectations that they have even for themselves. Uh, the draft hasn't worked out in terms of first-round draft picks. Second-round success has been great. First-round success, not so much. 
free agencies because of injuries and all of those things hasn't worked out to expectation. Um, so, you know, hey, getting rid of the coach is one way to, to sort of get towards trying to solve a problem, but there's some other issues that need to be addressed and corrected uh, if the Grizzlies are going to shake out of this and try to salvage this season. Mike Conley will be back, uh, is expected to be back within a couple weeks, and uh, you just hope that for the Grizzlies' sake that they aren't too far behind the eight ball in terms of the standings uh, where they can't sort of make up some ground as the schedule sort of eases up after you get through a gauntlet of the rest of this month. Yeah, no, it's a very good um, insight and, uh, you know, not much more to add other than saying that the uh, Cavaliers, boy, they're back on, you know, they're, they're back on track. <laughs> and, 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 Mike, you don't, I mean, they don't even have Isaiah Thomas yet. I mean, and that's what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, and I saw Isaiah on the court um, go through a pregame shoot-around workout, you know, uh, on Saturday over the weekend. And, I mean, this guy must have made like 22 out of 25 shots, jump shots, you know, just off of one step or step backs. And he was practicing his uh, sort of his, uh, his, his, his mobility and, 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 you know, his footwork. And, he, you know, I think it was strategically planned for him to do it in front of the fans because obviously – uh, uh, it was after in that period after the team, you know, do their uh, sort of pregame work, and then they go back to the locker room before they come out of the tunnel for introductions. You got like a forty-minute window right there, or thirty-minute window. And uh, Isaiah Thomas was out there on the court doing our pregame show with the uh, Fox broadcast, and I'm looking over my shoulder on the set, and <laughs> this guy's knocking down buckets, man. And you're just <laughs> like, wow, this team has won eleven in a row without this dude. And when he gets back, that's just another weapon that they're going to have. Uh, when, and they're looking at See, that's the thing. They're looking at Golden State. And they're probably looking beyond everything else they can see in the East right now. And, and you can sort of get sidetracked and sort of get lackadaisical because, again, the finals won't get here until June. We still have four or five months of basketball before then. And they have to engage. And that's what they're doing now. LeBron is sort of uh, cracking the whip to make sure that they become engaged right now and fix some of these issues as they start adding these uh, productive pieces to their rotation moving forward. Yeah, nah, no doubt about it. With my co-host Mike Wallace, I'm Donald Ware. You're tuned in to the Wallace and Ware HBCU Football Podcast uh, right here on GrindCityMedia.com. So let's switch gears, Mike. We talked. We were talking some HBCU college football uh, playoff and and a possible playoff there. Uh, so let's talk about the college football playoff final rankings, but more specifically the teams, the four teams that we're going to see that are going to vie for a national championship. Clemson finished number one, Oklahoma number two, Georgia number three, and Alabama number four. Clemson's going to take on Alabama for the third straight year and uh, Oklahoma, and th- but this time not in the, ch- in the championship game, and then Oklahoma going to face off uh, against Georgia. And, uh, you know, I think, Mike, that the committee uh, got it right. I will say – I mean, well, I-, I don't think they got it right. They did get it right. But um, I-, I think that this was a week I- – I- I, you know, Hey, try telling, try telling a whole bunch of people in Columbus and the Big Ten now. Well, <laughs> yeah, no, I-, I agree. But you know what, Mike, yeah. when you lose to <laughs> Iowa by the amount of points that Ohio State lost to Iowa by, and then right. – you know, you could make an argument. Like, you can make an argument for Ohio State. And it, it, I think they got it right, but I will say that this isn't – you know, like, if I look at Alabama, like, it's not strong. Like, their schedule's not strong. They lose – the loss, only loss they had was to Auburn. But if you look at the rest of their wins, they're not – you know, it wasn't it wasn't a great schedule. It wasn't like they you know beat some really good football teams. But I think with no, the they didn't. They yeah didn't. right. And, and here's, the, yeah. here's the thing. Here's the thing, though, Donald. It's yeah. like okay, so I, I keep hearing that argument, and 
you know, and, and, and it's, it's certainly a viable, you know, argument. Look, it was a horrible loss to Iowa. It wasn't like Iowa was three and six. They were six and three. You know what I mean? Um, but, but again, it was a horrible loss. You get blown out against Iowa. It's not like it was LSU losing to Troy. You know what I'm saying? But having said that, flip the script on the other side, though. Um, Alabama doesn't have a loss as bad as that loss to Iowa, but Alabama also doesn't have three wins over top 15 teams, which is what Ohio State had. Plus, they beat an undefeated team that was already in the top four in the final week of the season in the, in the uh, Big Ten Championship. And if you're the committee and you're saying conference championships matter, then you take one of the most powerful and influential conferences outside of the SEC. I would say the Big Ten is probably the most powerful conference. And you're telling me that their conference champion, who has three top 15 victories this season, isn't good enough, especially when they cap the season with a win over an undefeated Wisconsin team that was in the top four going into that game. That's my issue with it. Look, Alabama's resume is what it is. I think this, to me, this underscores the argument in the case to expand it to six or eight more so than it does justifying whether Auburn, uh, excuse me, whether Alabama should be in over uh, over Ohio State or not. Look, I think if you put those two teams on the on the field right now, I'm taking Alabama over Ohio State. But you know what? I also thought that the year that Ohio State ended up beating Alabama uh, in the championship, if I'm not mistaken, I think that was Urban Meyer that beat Alabama uh, one of those years. So. You know, it, it, it's one of those situations where it's unfortunate. It shows the flaws in this system. Um, now, not only do I think that you can make a case, a strong case for uh, Ohio State, but you're also basically saying that the Iron Bowl meant nothing. The SEC championship really didn't mean a whole lot. And the Big Ten championship really didn't mean a whole lot. You're basically saying that. Not you, but I'm just saying that right. it can be made. And one, one other thing before, you know, before you, know, you jump back in is this. My, I also think that the committee got the rankings wrong, and they did it wrong because they did not want to have an SEC team knock out an SEC team before you get to the championship. Because to me, if you're going to order them one through four, Georgia should have been number one. Georgia hmm. should have been number one over Clemson, and here's why. Yeah. Georgia basically is the only team in the, in, in, in the discussion to avenge their one loss by beating the team that beat them and they beat them on a bigger stage. So basically, they eliminated their loss to Auburn by beating Auburn and blowing out Auburn. And if you're going to do that, you avenge the one loss you have directly against the team that you lost to, and there are no other blemishes on your record other than that. So you exonerated yourself. So essentially what I'm saying is that you take Georgia, you take Auburn off of Georgia's schedule, they're undefeated right now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because they avenged that. So they should have been number one. But the committee didn't want the uproar of having Georgia one, especially if they were going to put uh, Alabama four, because yeah. they want an SEC team in that final game. So I'm calling BS on, on, on the rankings one through four, and I'm also saying, listen, this is all designed to have us argue and do the things that we're doing on talk shows across the country. But I also think if you can expand it to the next two and have maybe a play-in, then something's wrong. So that needs to happen ASAP. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm I, with you on Ohio State. I, I think at the end of the day, two losses is two losses. And uh, unfortunately, whether even though the one of the losses was to Oklahoma, at the end of the day, Ohio State had two losses. I'm going to um, agree with you also with respect to the rankings because 
Um, you know, Clemson definitely no no question about it. And I think you lend credence two things. You lend credence to you lend credence to Alabama and their history. So that's you know maybe why they they they're put in. Uh, but again. Ohio State had two losses. The other thing is Clemson is the defending national champs, but I agree with you. That's a bad loss. I watched that game. That's a bad loss that they had to Syracuse. The ACC, and, and, you know, and I live in ACC country, and ACC is is just weak. It's it's weak. I mean, yeah, you have some good <laughs> programs, um, but I will give Clemson a lot of credit, and 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 could you could make the argument why they're number one is because they blew Miami away but uh, but other than that I would agree with you that's a bad loss that they had to Syracuse you're right about Georgia they avenged avenged the loss that they ultimately had and did it in a definitive way in the SEC championship game so I would agree with you in terms of the order I still think Alabama should be in at the end of the day Ohio State I'm sorry I'm sorry Buckeyes fans I'm sorry state of Ohio you got two losses you want me to you want me to say that you should be in with two losses over a team out of the SEC in Alabama with the name that has one loss I can't do it yeah you know what that's that's fine that's fine because you know again I mean you could put me basically on either side of that and I feel like I could defend it I just think if if you know if if you're saying the Big Ten champion uh if if, if Wisconsin wins that there's no is a no-brainer they're in um but would would Wisconsin have been number one I, I don't know you know what I'm saying Wisconsin wouldn't have been number one if they won it so I think that the Big Ten format was diminished one way or another. But you're also saying a Big Ten champion, and just follow me on this, the Big Ten champion mm-hmm. is not worthy of getting a nod over the third team in the SEC. And, 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 and you know, people have – and i got a bunch of Alabama fans that, uh, that, that work in the uh, broadcast department and digital formats uh, at Grind City Media. So we've had this debate on the bus, on the plane, the whole nine. Um, but there's no way to look at it. If you're on the outside of the SEC championship game, you're the third best team in your league, at least from that standpoint. So, you know, from that standpoint, the way it shook up, because Auburn did beat Alabama. I'm with you on that. So I'm, I'm not even going to debate that part of it anymore. I, we can, you know, I'm going to leave that part of the debate over. But I will say this, like I said, the politics involved in this thing is, 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 is astonishing to me. Um, again, you didn't want to put Georgia one because you knew you had to put Alabama four. And then you're eliminating the SEC from the big one of the biggest fan bases in college football across the sport. You're eliminating them in the first round without them getting to a Clemson, Oklahoma. So you know, I mean, it's, it's I mean, getting to the college football final game. So I saw what was going on there, and I, I disagree with how it shook out because I think it was completely, completely subjective, despite the rules in place. But again, the only way to fix this thing, man, and I know people say, okay, well, if you go to six then whoever's going to have the argument for seventh is going to be the biggest outcry. Well, if you're the seventh best team in the country, you probably don't need to be playing for a championship under this kind of format. So I would say go to six, um, you know, or at least go to the, the number one team, get to buy, mm-hmm. uh, and you go to five, six, or whatever, yeah. for a play-in to play number one or something like that. And, and, uh, and, and then that, that might fix it. Because I, I do think to settle this debate overall – Alabama and uh, Alabama, excuse me, not Alabama, whether it's Alabama, whether it's Penn State, whether it's Ohio State, whether it's USC, pick two of those teams, make them play uh, in one of these bowls that start, you know, right after the celebration bowl or something, and then let them play their way into playing the number one team. But 
hey, they'll figure that out at some point down the line, I'm sure. Yeah, nah, no question about it. We could, we could be here all day uh, talking <laughs> about that. Some you know, really great points on both sides. So coolest thing that you saw yep. this weekend, Mike. What's the coolest thing you saw? Oof. Oh, man. It's, uh, I'd like to say I saw a victory, um, you know, in that, 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 that losing streak for the Grizzlies, but I didn't see that. Um, I'm going to be selfish and say, hey, I saw, you know, Broderick Fobbs hoisting that trophy again, winning two straight uh, uh, SWAC championships, SWAC conference championships, got, you know, having gotten to the conference championship games three straight times, uh, seeing Devontae Kincaid, um, you know, get another ring. I mean, I, I saw this guy uh, at the Swag Media Day, and he had two championship rings on and a third bowl ring from, from uh, Ole Miss. So he's going to have four rings at this point um, to put on his fingers. And, you know, this is a guy whose career was derailed when things didn't work out at the University of Mississippi. And for Kincaid to go uh, to transfer to Grambling, you know, you know, as a Dallas alum, you know, Dallas native, uh, and, and do big things, man, in the state of Texas there, uh, you know, two times winning the SWAC championship. I mean, this is a good ending to his career. I don't know what the future holds in terms of the NFL, but having a chance to – I mean, I, I must have sat there and talked to him for probably 45 minutes. Um, you know, we started on the record. We went off the record. We went back on the record. Then we just started, you know, eating snacks and stuff through the middle of our discussion, <laughs> man. And it, it, I feel good for the guy. I, I, I like the way he sort of resurrected his career. And he has a chance, man. I mean, Lamar Raynard and, and Devontae Kincaid, uh, they are truly two of the four finalists for the uh, HBCU Player of the Year. Um, and they're going to be able to decide it on the field, man. And I, I'm, I'm just excited about that. But uh, shout-out to, uh, to Kincaid. The coolest thing I saw was him being able to hoist that trophy, uh, being, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> you know he, he's just – and being individualized and, and honored for being one of the best players in the country, obviously, uh, was a good fitting in to a career that started off. Uh, with a little bit of disappointment from him sort of being the odd man out at Ole Miss. So that was the coolest thing I saw this weekend, B. What about you? Yeah, well, it, it would have to be um, on the not, – not, I, don't, I don't know, maybe phrasing it opposite side, but Old Corn State. I mean, when you're – and you're right. I mean, when, when Grambling scored that last, uh, that last touchdown – uh, actually, when they it wasn't a touchdown, where they got the touchdown, but then it was the safety. I'm thinking this thing is not going well for Alcorn. Um, you know, it was it was sort of cold in North Carolina, right? Like we had the family over, uh, we had the fireplace going, man. And you know, uh, my wife loves to watch these Christmas movies on Hallmark Channel, so we almost flipped that thing. But I said, Nah, let, let, hold on, let me just see what Alcorn's going to do. And ultimately, Alcorn made a heck of a comeback. Within about a 12-minute span, they were able to score three touchdowns and pull to within um, essentially, as you mentioned, a touchdown and a two-point conversion. And not only that, they didn't get the onside kick, but they were also able to hold Gramlin and got the ball back with one more opportunity. So to me, that speaks to the coaching of Fred McNair. This is just his uh, second season as the head coach there at Alcorn State. Obviously, he's a, he's a legend there at Alcorn as a former player. And, um, you know, I think eventually he's going to win multiple championships. But it shows the resiliency of what he instills in his young men to say, look, we're down by whatever the point differential was. We're going to keep playing in this thing and try to come back and try to come back. And they almost made it happen. So I think that was the coolest thing I saw this past weekend, Mike. 
No, that's all good. That's all good, man. And, I mean, you know, we've been seeing things throughout the season. And, you know, we've been trying to chronicle these things for, for our viewers and our, our, our listeners. And, you know, it's, it's again, it's one thing to work these games into, into, into uh, you know, we do things professionally here. This is part of our jobs, and we have, we're blessed to have some of the best jobs in the world because what we do for a living is what many people would just do for free uh, in terms of being fans and, and getting access to these athletes and these stories and these behind-the-scenes issues that are going on. Um, but that's been a, a beautiful thing about being able to do the podcast here is that, you know, not only are we sharing what we see, the same things that you get to see, whether you're watching the games on TV or listening on the radio, uh, but we're also trying to bring you behind the scenes to what these things mean and with these, uh, uh, the format of how things play out and what's the story behind the story. And those are the things. And that's the whole purpose of, uh, of talking about the coolest things we saw, whether it's at the very beginning of the season uh, all the way through here. And, and we've gone 14 weeks strong uh, with the uh, Wallace and Ware uh, football podcast, HBCU podcast, man. So that's been a beautiful thing, man. So, hey, look, I hate to get to this point of the show every single week, but, uh, you know, we can't keep them all, all, all night long, man. So we got to get out of here at some point, man. But, uh, again, it's been another great show, Donald. I appreciate everything you do and you've done. And now we finally, finally, after doing 14 shows or so like this, we get to do one, and, and, and soon we'll be face-to-face, man, and hopefully we can get some artwork done and all these kind of things to make this even bigger and better as we go towards the future and, uh, and more in the future and more for uh, the Wallace and Webb podcast. No question about it. So, of course, uh, tune in next week to uh, another episode. It, it, it may not be necessarily the – it may be the final one that we post on Grind City Media, but it may not be – the final one, and we'll have more about that uh, next week. But, again, tune in next week, and we're going to really break down the Celebration Bowl between Grambling uh, and North Carolina A&T for the third straight year. The top two teams in all of HBCU football are going to be playing in this game. should be an outstanding football game. And, again, don't forget to check out Mike as he comes on from the press box to press row each and every week. Log on to boxerow.com and click on the affiliates link for a radio station in your area that carries the show or listen on Sirius XM Channel 142, 8 a.m. 8 a.m. Central Time. That's 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time. Again, on Sirius XM. I don't know if you can take it.